I'm Hilary Naughton. Welcome to the Uprint Podcast. It's time to remember your power and become the architect of your reality. Join me as we explore the art of intentional co-creation. We delve into the science and the magic. Hear expansive stories from entrepreneurs and creatives around the world who channeled their ideas and inspiration into real life by following their passions and staying true to their inner guidance. My intention is to empower you to act on your desires and live a life in vibrant color. Thanks for tuning in. Now we vibe. Good day, everyone. Oh, you'll have to excuse my voice today. I woke up with a bit of a head cold and have been doing all the tinctures and honey and steaming my head and drinking tea, all the things, and the show must go on. So here I am, and what a show I have for you today. We've got the multifaceted creative Jason Grant on the show. Jason is well-known throughout Australia and beyond as an interior stylist, creative director, author, designer, and wait, there's more. I need to take a big breath for this one, but he's written books, And he's collaborated with major brands for custom paint colors, tiles, rugs, and textiles. He has done a lot, which is so inspiring. And he'll take us a bit through that journey and how those opportunities came up. But mainly he talks about authenticity and creating from an authentic place, which got me thinking, what does it mean to be authentic? And And how do we tap into that? I'd say that we start by defining and embracing our strengths. And the wonderful thing about our strengths is that using them is often really easy and fun. And typically they deliver our our best results. Take this podcast for example. If you sit next to me at a dinner party, you best believe I'm going to be like, interrogating you pretty much and wanting to know where you grew up, your life story, what do you do now? How do you create? So creating this podcast was a natural extension of that. So sit for a minute. If you're wanting to create something and wanting to create from an authentic place, what comes naturally to you? That's a really great place to start. Next, explore explore your values. I'd say that values are like this guiding light towards living a life that has a lot of meaning. And one way to uncover some of your values is by calling to mind a time in your life when you felt truly alive, when everything felt right in the world. What made it so special? A big value that I have is time in nature. And Jason has the same value and he'll talk about that. It's where he draws inspiration. It's where he goes when he wants to get his mind right. All of the things. So living from an authentic place in that example would be in living in a place where your values are that guiding guiding light would be to be around nature, to be next to an ocean. That's why living in Byron is such a big piece of Jason's story. And he'll talk about that. And I think another big one, which Jason will talk about is developing the courage to face your fears. We talk about this in the episode, but acting on your desires and pushing through that fear of the unknown and maybe a fear of judgment from others about embodying our true authentic self is where the magic lies. We can spend so much time worrying about what others think, and that stops us from acting. 
And what I love about this episode and Jason's story is that he's found so much success through embodying his authentic self and through asking for what he wants. He's not waiting for an opportunity. He's moving energy and making things happen. Uh, This is such a multi-layered, multifaceted episode, and I am so excited for us to just jump right in. So wherever it is that you are, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're like me, sitting in the house and nursing a cold, whatever it is, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Good day, everyone. I am sitting here with Jason Grant. Welcome. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming in today. It was very serendipitous that you and I met and that you're on the show. Um, We have... I met you at Brookie's Gin at that launch with a mutual friend, Brooke, and then you also know, know Penny and Anthony, so it's just like a, a bit of a family affair. Meant to be, indeed. <laughs> Meant to be. Well, I always start the podcast off in the same way. I think it's important for the listeners to kind of see a glimpse of themselves in you and where we grow up, how we grow up in our childhood is, is a way that a lot of us can kind of connect. And so where and, and how did you grow up? Well, I was born in Launceston, Tasmania. So for your American listeners, that is the very small island below Australia. Beautiful island. the Apple Isle, Tasmania. Um, And yeah, so I grew up there. Um, It was kind of pretty idyllic. I kind of feel like the first few years of life are the most kind of important and kind of set a lot of things that are still relevant as an adult. Um, we grew up in in nature, and I guess jumping a little forward, nature and creativity are the two most important things to me. So they were what in, were instilled to me as a child. Definitely. Well, you're. I'll do like an intro before before the <laughs> podcast. But you're uh, an interior stylist and a designer and an author. And so, what I also loved about you before after we met and I was looking through your Instagram is just the your aesthetic and how you channel nature through all that you do. So, when you were growing up in Launceston, I used to work there quite a bit when I lived in Melbourne and Tasmania in general. For our listeners who haven't been there, is just a stunning place. And there aren't a lot of people there. So that's probably why you're not there anymore. (laughs) You're very much a social butterfly, it seems like. But um, when you were growing up, what kind of things were modeled to you in terms of what you thought was possible for your life? Well, I guess growing up, my parents allowed me to feel like anything was possible. I mean, it's quite funny. I'm not the neatest person uh, now because growing up, I was allowed to kind of create and play and not actually have to tidy up. Oh, your parents picked up after you. (laughs) (laughs) Was that what you mean or what do you mean? I don't think they really picked up after me, but I was just allowed to kind of like, you know, make a mess creatively and for it to like just be there. And I guess my process is when I work on things, I do actually enjoy a little bit of chaos and creativity together. Gotcha. But yeah, I've always had that feeling of like anything was possible. There wasn't, you know, like restrictions in terms of what I could try to do. Yeah. What did your parents do professionally? Um, nothing really exciting. I mean, uh, my mum was a mum. Yep, same mum. my dad was a locksmith. Cool. Yeah. That's a very interesting <laughs> job. Yeah. Well, you have to have like a Maybe very... Maybe why I'm good at opening doors. <laughs> <laughs> you mean just like turning them and yeah. then walking through them? Yeah. That's great. Maybe. It's, it's, 
I just came up with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think if you're um, imagining the life of a locksmith and you have to be good at problem solving and it is a creative field in a way, right? Yeah. My dad was um, someone who was kind of good at everything, very handy. And I feel like uh, growing up, my parents knew that they needed to instill that I needed to be self-sufficient. So I was always taught how to do things like change a tire, cook, all those things. So I I feel like they knew that I needed to be practical. You have all those life skills. Yeah. Okay, great. From Launceston to now, you're living in Byron Bay and everything that's happened. How did you go from being in Launceston to then getting into the the styling and the, the design world? Well, we moved to the mainland when I was around 10 to Melbourne and I grew up in Melbourne and that's kind of where I started my career. Uh, I worked for a really fabulous a dynamic duo of two guys that had a business called Room Interior Products. It was like the darling of magazines. They had all their products featured. I kind of ended up uh, handling the press loans for magazines and stylists. And that, What's a press loan? So when someone wants to borrow an item from a, like a store or a business to feature in a magazine. Okay. Um, that all needs to be, you know, actioned. So I used to, um, you know, handle all the products that would go out to magazines to be featured. So that's when I discovered the magical role of a stylist. And I kind of made friends with a couple of stylists and asked to go on a shoot and I was hooked. And fast forward, I kind of um, started working on the magazine Inside Out, which was one of the best magazines in the country. Um, And I started styling houses for it and that's where it all began. Wow. And when we were chatting before the interview, you had said that one of your strengths is that you'll ask for the business. You'll ask for anything. Yeah. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. So I don't know where my confidence comes from, but I'm always happy to ask for what I want. Definitely. Well, that's how when we first met, remember? (laughs) You're like, I should be on your podcast. I'm like, yes, you should. Tell me more. (laughs) Well, and I think that's great for the listeners that um, are wanting to, the intention of this podcast is to inspire people to act on their ideas, to act on their inspiration. And a lot of people are scared to do that. There's a lot of resistance around that. And what would your advice be for those people? Well, I guess I always create with intention. I kind of am very good at taking it all in, working out what I want, you know, sometimes just taking the opportunity, you know, a lot of people hesitate. And I feel like if you kind of trust your instincts and just, you know, jump at an opportunity. And I feel like also it's over time, like knowing when to say yes, when to say no, I'm pretty good with my instincts, I think. So when you are presented with an opportunity and when you say no to something, because as we know, saying no to something, that's not in alignment with something that you want or with who you want to be that actually makes you more magnetic. And so where do you tune in? Are you tuning in to like hear your heart or are you, is it just like a knowing? How do you know what's right for you and what isn't? Well, I feel like it's a safe space to talk about the woo-woo. Yeah, it definitely is. (laughs) I kind of feel like it's about really being your true self in the scheme of things, I wear many hats, but really I'm a visual creator and it's taken time for me to create what my aesthetic is. For a long time, I was kind of like, and I guess the biggest life lesson I've learned is comparison 
is the worst thing in the world. So I guess for a long time, I kind of was like, oh, there's all these other people that are doing amazing things and they have a very specific niche and a very specific aesthetic. And once I realized what mine was and, um, you know, that is really a strong starting point when you're doing anything to kind of know who you are. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, and I guess it's really interesting. I have like a technique that I employ with clients and projects where I like them to have their five words that describe the look and feel of a project. Okay. And I like having my five words that kind of stay stay the same but kind of vary a little bit about who I am as well as a as a visual creator. What would those five words be? Well, I guess it's always an element of nature. Mm-hmm. I like an element of ease. I don't really like things to be overthought, overstyled or kind of overconsidered. I like things to be organic in that kind of relaxed, natural kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's about 10 words, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but I get the overall vibe. Yeah. So it's it's distilling down a style. It's distilling down the vibe of the project, whatever it is, yeah. to then. And then it sets the intention of what the creation is and what the outcome is. And I feel like when you're clear from the start what the intention is, then you know the outcome, even though you might not be able to see it fully. Mm-hmm. You're not worrying about how all the little pieces come together. Yeah. It's more like this is our vision at the end. Yeah. Somehow it's all in my head and it all comes together. Yeah. Well, no, your aesthetic is beautiful. Thank you. So Inside Out Magazine is a huge magazine globally. Yeah. And it sounds like you were in print in the heyday of yeah. print. So I kind of worked in magazine as a stylist when the stylist became to the front of the lens. Like for a long time, the, the role of a stylist was kind of mythical and behind the lens and kind of who are these magical people making all these pages of magazines. So after working at Inside Out in Melbourne, I was offered the role of style director at Real Living magazine. Cool. That's a huge magazine. Yeah. And I moved to Sydney, which was a huge, huge step because I'd grown up and lived all my life with all my friends in Melbourne. So it was a huge step, but I knew that it was going to take me to the next level for those not aware, Sydney is kind of like the centre of media and magazines, so things definitely elevated when I moved there. Well, and how did you get that opportunity? Uh, I guess um, just the you know the pleasure and the uh, privilege of working on magazines and having your name on the page is people who read the magazine know who you are. So the editor of Real Living had hunted me and offered me that role. Wow. And how long were you working at Inside Out and then the other magazine before then? Uh, I think Real Living, uh, sorry, Inside Out, I kind of worked there for, I think, three or four years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I'm getting at is a lot of times when we're stepping into a new way of being or really embodying who it is that we are, it can take some time. But if you're, when you are showing up as your authentic self, like you were saying, and and showing up, A, it makes the work a lot easier, and B, you never know who's looking. You never know who's watching what you have. Exactly. When you're, you know, doing something and creating something that you really actually enjoy, it's contagious. 100%. They can feel the energy of it, right? Because if we're all just energy vibrating at different frequencies, if we're going to get very woo. I love love the woo. (laughs) The woo, same. (laughs) That's another reason why you're here, because this is a safe space for the woo. So if we're all that, then whatever art that you're producing that is going out into the world, the people who are on that kind of say wavelength are going to feel that, see that, appreciate it. And then those opportunities are going to pop up. 
Yeah, you kind of just manifest by creating. Definitely. There's this, this reminds me of this story. So on, uh, my sister sent me this TikTok of this guy who was discovered by Oprah and he was making his videos every day and he said he'd get like 20 views maybe a day. And he said 19 of them were probably his mom. But what what he, he was a matchmaker and he was doing it for free at one stage. And unbeknownst to him, one of the people that he had matched uh, matched made, I don't know if that's a word, but- I think it's a word. Matched. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was friends with Oprah and was on her private plane one day and was was like, Oprah was saying, oh, I'm- I'm looking for new talent for this. And she said, oh, do you know this guy? And she's like, no, I don't. And so Oprah started following him. And so she was <laughs> one of the 20 and he d- didn't know that, but she was watching the videos he was creating for you know, six months, a year. And he was creating from this joyful space. And then one day he got tapped in the shoulder and she said, hey, I've been watching your videos. And so that's a, a story to highlight a bit of what you're saying that you're creating yeah from this joyful space. But what I love from that story is we live in an age where everyone's kind of concerned about stats and numbers, but really it just takes one person. 100%. It just takes one person. Exactly. And if that person is Oprah, even better. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, I guess, you know, I, you you know, you just never know who's paying attention. You never know who's paying attention. That's why you should always be nice to everyone. So you're at Real Living. Yeah. And... You're the creative director for them. The st- yeah, the style director. So in Melbourne with Insider, I was freelancing. So then when I moved to Sydney for Real Living, I was working full-time on the magazine. Okay. And I didn't like that. What did you not like well, about it? Well, it's just the, the, it was kind of a very like starting something, finishing something, starting. It was just very repetitious. So then I went back to being freelance and then I was working across quite a lot of magazines. But at this point, again, this is where stylists became the celebrities of the thing. It was, you know, people, um, you know, knew that job. Oh, definitely. Sometimes I think my mom doesn't really still understand. (laughs) (laughs) That's um, fine. And, you know, the best example of that, I met um, Rachel Zoe at a dinner um, and she's really the person that put that job in terms of fashion or whatever, styling as a stylist to the general public. And this is where people, and I met her at a dinner and I was like, thanks for putting us on the map. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that what people realized, cause I remember when I was in California, when Rachel Zoe was, people were realizing who she was and she was yeah. getting featured for uh, styling all these celebrities and she had her show and the show was so fun. It was so <laughs> fun. Well, Oh my God. You're like, who doesn't want that closet and all yeah. the things it's just like bonkers. But I think what, what intrigues people, with stylists is that most stylists also, they have really great personalities. They're fun. You have to be a bit fun and exciting, I think, in a lot of ways to, to yeah, do the, that. Yeah, the dynamic of working on photo shoots is that it's it's not actually really glamorous, but you make it fun. So you're making it fun more because otherwise it would be so mundane? Well, not really mundane, but you have to get a lot done in a short amount of time. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot riding on it. You're creating either pages for a magazine or working for a brand. It's all very important and it actually is like big budget stuff. It's kind of like you don't have, you know, the chance to make too many mistakes. No. (laughs) Well, they're like time is money. Yeah, you have to get it right. I guess as a stylist I kind of learnt but part of the job weirdly is attempting to kind of create some conceived idea of perfection. 
you know, presenting products or an interior or a person in a space and there's this element of it all has to look perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not really a fan of that attempting to create perfection. And in a lot of things, in nature, in everything, it's sometimes the imperfections that are actually the most beautiful thing. So I feel like that was a very important lesson about how I create as well. Well, and when you're in, and that's really beautiful. I think that nature shows us that, is that, like you said, there's beauty in the imperfect. And, but getting to that stage where you feel strong enough in your voice and in your opinion to be able yeah. to express that, how long did that take? Well, I've been styling for a very long time. What's very long? Uh, I started in the early 2000s. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I've so been doing it kind of 20 years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, I feel like how people see things, they don't all see the journey and, you know, things don't happen overnight. Um, you know, I've created books. I've, you know, have partnerships with collections in kind of paint, tiles, rugs, textiles. That all doesn't happen overnight. And what what do you think, if you're looking back now on the 20 years, what was it that led you to each place? Because that's quite a lot of... It's quite a lot of creation. Yeah. I feel like one opportunity always leads to the next and I feel like that's how I view things. I knew moving from Melbourne to Sydney was really going to elevate my career, raise my profile. You know, I've been very fortunate to be featured in magazines at a very important kind of time where I'm so lucky that people know my name. And I feel like it's just really putting in the hard work, to be really honest. How do you, with all that hard work and career that spans 20 years plus, how do you, what practices do you have that help keep you grounded or help you to, when you're creating new ideas, what kind of things do you ground yourself in? Well, I guess that kind of leads, you know, I lived and worked in Sydney for close to nine years. Okay. And really I felt like I was done. I feel like I was not burnt out, but I was fried. I, I was, you know, needing to take a step back. And Byron was always a magical, desirable place that I wanted to be. I first came up here um, with Lauren Bamford, the photographer who shot my second book. And we basically took a road trip from Sydney to Byron, shooting all the way. And I met one of my very good friends, Kimberly Amos, that has the Atlantic here in Byron. Mm -hmm. And literally we arrived and I walked down the driveway and said, I'm moving here. Okay. That was just it. Yeah. And what was it? I mean, the energy for anyone who's been here or hasn't, it's the energy of the Byron Shire of the Northern Rivers is just, if you're a nature lover, like you are, it's like on steroids and there's actually black obsidian under the ground here that creates another energetic pull. So there's definitely a magical energy that I instantly connected to. We talked about this before, but I think in order to, to live here, you have to get really creative about yeah, the things it's not that you an do. easy place to move to. The bottom line is that it's a very, you know, desirable place to come and visit and stay. But the bottom line is that it's actually a small regional seasonal place. 100%. Where, you know, there's not big business. There's not all those things that make it easy for lots of people to live here. You have to really work hard. And I guess, again, moving here, I had to kind of step up and, you know, do new things. I'm always open to, you know, 
wearing many hats. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you walked up to the Atlantic, did you end up doing a, a, a restyle on the Atlantic? Or? No, I just actually photographed it for my second book. What was the name of that book? That was called uh, Holiday at Home. Okay. Yeah. And then what was your first big project here and how did you get it? Um, I guess, yeah, from like being here for the book, it was a couple of years later that I moved up. But it was just, I guess, really listening to myself and, you know, moving here was a really good time to take stock, edit, really think about the projects that I was working on, the people I was hanging out with, where I wanted to be. And I just realised that city life is not for me. Byron actually really reminds me a lot of childhood and growing up. That's really the draw card and the connection, that kind of bush and beach and nature really reminds me of my childhood. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, and so which project did you do first when you got up here? Um, do you remember? For, yeah, for a long time I kind of commuted back to Sydney and then eventually that kind of slowed down. Um, I worked on Vagabond. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The listeners will know that's Penny and Anthony. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I helped them create their cafe and working with them was great because they also work um, with setting intentions and all that stuff. So. It's always great to work with people that are on the same page. They do the purpose, goals, illusions, and ethics. Yeah. Yeah. And then I worked with the team from Light Years Restaurant, and we worked on their restaurant in Burley, okay. in Queensland. Cool. And then I guess the biggest kind of project in the last little while is that I helped reimagine the Blue Water Motel up in Kingscliff. Beautiful. And then recently we just completed uh, the Beach House, which is the house next door to the motel as part of that as well. And that, I guess, I mean, anyone that knows me really well for a long, long, long time, I said, I want to work on a motel. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so that it manifested. It manifested. So was it, um, if you had to break down that process when you were putting that intention out there, did you know that you were speaking it into existence or was it more just like, I'm going to do it. And so it's going to happen. I don't know how, like, how did that opportunity come up? I feel like uh, it's really important to understand about self-talk and what you actually do and say and think because things like that just happen because you say them. So, you know, speaking highly to yourself is very important. Um, and, yeah, just be careful what you wish for because <laughs> it happens. It does. Well, no, the... Well, the last episode or a couple of episodes ago, my sister and I talked about the power of the words that you speak. And we looked into different research and um, there was a study that Ikea did around bullying and plants and how it's like the frequency, the vibration of the words. There were kids that spoke to one plant. Uh, all the other controls were, everything else was controlled for. So like sunlight and temperature, all of that. Some children spoke to the plant in like a bullying way. They spoke to another plant and said really nice things. And the one that was bullied was noticeably droopier. The leaves were turning brown, wow. all the things. Yeah. yeah. and um, It's so true though, like how you speak to yourself, how you speak to other people. It's so important. It's very powerful. Yeah. So then after the motel and any other projects that you are working on now, is there anything um, that's exciting you? Yeah, I guess... You know, I have said before, I wear many hats and do many things. So interior design is kind of my primarily what I do. Um, as I said before, I have uh, recently done a collection with Harley Rugs and we do a collection of rugs that are made entirely from 100% recycled plastic. Oh, cool. How does that come about, an opportunity like that? Well, interestingly enough, like back in the day in Melbourne, Harley Rugs is probably one of the, the first places I borrowed a rug 
for a photo shoot. Okay. Um, and I, I guess, you know, the thing is they asked me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, so was guess, there ever an intention there or it was just you were doing uh, your work the way you do it? I do all the work. And I guess with the partnerships that I have, they're very thoughtful. Like there's been other opportunities that are definitely not on brand and not my vibe that I've said no to. And interestingly enough, when Dan from Harley approached me to do the collection with them, he's like, I would love you to do a rug collection. And I was kind of like, I don't know whether we just need another rug collection. He's like, I knew you were going to say that. We're working with a new supplier in a new material and it's made entirely from 100% recycled plastic bottles. And I was like, okay, you have my attention. (laughs) And also you get who I am. Like, you know, sometimes you're presented opportunities. It's like, do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you you understand how wrong that seems? (laughs) So I guess being very authentic to who I am and sharing that on all the channels, that also attracts the right opportunities as well. 100%. Well, I wanted to ask you with the paint, because you also have a collaboration with... Mirabon paint. Yes. And so how do you choose the colors? Because I love color. And how do you choose the names? I guess that's the fun kind of part of those kind of creations. I've been doing the paint collection next year. It'll be 11 years. That was, yeah, my first... Wow. My first, you know, foray into partnerships and designing. Um, I guess when I'm presented an opportunity, I always, if I think it's a yes, but I don't know how do I do that, I, I'm, I enjoy the process of creating as much as the actual outcome and sometimes creating the process. Gotcha. So I remember, you know, Eurobond and I confirming doing a collection together. Next step is like, how do I do that? Exactly. And I guess I'm very much a mixture of very high tech and also very lo-fi and analog. And I mean, to be honest, a lot of the colors are from things that I see mostly in nature. And I, I mean, I take lots of photos on a camera and on my phone. So a lot of those colors actually stem from objects. Something that you've seen. Did you like find a leaf in nature and go, this is the perfect shade of green Green. or whatever it is. And then you mail it to them. Uh, not actually the leaf, but I guess also with kind of technology, I did, um, like recently I've worked on a new collection that we'll do sometime soon. And I've, I'm actually a big fan of Canva. Oh yeah. Um, and Canva gives you the opportunity to like upload a photo and then actually pick a color out of it. And then you can literally make a giant swatch. So I, I'm always good at kind of creating new processes and learning how to do things for a high-tech but very low-tech person. Definitely. Yeah. So a lot of the things is where I would literally take a photo back in the day and I would just cut a certain piece of it out and then enlarge it. and. Okay, do it like real yeah. old school. And yeah. luckily the team at Mirabond are very good at kind of colour matching. And, yeah, I guess since we've been doing it for such a long time, we're kind of pretty much in sync. Yeah, and who comes up with the names? Uh, that's the fun part. And sometimes they're like literal, like... One of my favourite colours from my collection is a beautiful green called Rowboat and that was like literally a boat that I'd taken a photo of. Okay. And then sometimes I kind of like having a little narrative and story where I kind of just, yeah, 
It's not always fun co- co- <laughs> coming with colors. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's a really good name. It's kind of like, then I'm like, yep, someone's already used that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, damn it. Okay, yeah. rowboat two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if you had advice for someone who is in your field and kind of coming up through the ranks now, because the landscape has changed so mm. much, what do you think are some of the important ways to to get your authenticity out there, to to kind of get to the stage where you are? What advice would you give to that person? I really do just think it's about being true to yourself and also kind of really not worrying about what other people think about what you're doing. I feel like we're all trying to impress people, trying to have everyone like us. I feel like when you're confident with who you are, things happen easier and more naturally. Um, And like I said before, when you kind of compare yourself to other people doing what you do, it's really never a good headspace. No. Well, com- they say what comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. And it 100% is. 100%. There's this really good hack that um, you probably know it, but a lot of people talk about when you're creating something or you're stepping into a new way of being, unfollow everyone on social media <laughs> that, that you get inspired from. Yeah. Because there's a, it, it, a trap that you can fall into is like what you're talking about, being authentic and being yourself, is that you get influenced by yeah. what other people are doing and then it's not really your true voice. Yeah, I guess I'm really lucky because, I mean, I definitely don't really take any inspiration from social media. My inspiration- oh, you don't? Not no, at all. Oh, yeah, that's no, good. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, it's also you have to be, unconsciously we absorb things, so you really have to be mindful of all the things you consume visually, what you listen to, who you surround yourself with. It's all very important. And I guess that's another great thing about moving away from the city is that I have less people that I spend my time with, but I spend my time with important people that, you know, my cheerleaders that lift me up, I lift them up. We all kind of are in it together. 100%. And that's what life's about. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't have said it better. It's finding your tribe, yeah. people who are, who inspire you and who lift you up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it sounds cliche and it's like, who cares? Well, it's cliche because yeah. it's true. It's, yeah. Well, and so many people I have, um, if I reconnect with old friends or, because right now I'm, you know, you get to a space, you get to an age, especially up here where you're very intentional with who you surround yourself with. But yeah. you have those friends or those old colleagues that are still kind of in the, that, that space that maybe we were in in our twenties where you're still finding yourself. And yeah. it's like, uh, like what you're saying to, it's a cliche. It's like a lot of people still don't get it. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm actually recently learned that I actually love it when people are a bit confused and don't really understand what I'm doing and think I'm a little bit, not crazy, but just like, oh, that's that's strange. Like out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's like, you know. Oh, yeah, no, you're like the um, creative genius. Oh, that's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think it's, um, I always, my husband and I talk about this, but I love, well, I wish on some level that I had the confidence I have now when I was like in my, my teens. Oh yeah. So growing up, I was very shy, very quiet, very different. I mean, not that I'm loud now, but I feel like I do know myself. I feel like, you know, growing up from a boy to a man, I've definitely stepped into my authentic self. Yeah. Well, and when you were growing up, what were some of the, were there any limiting stories that you had to step out of in order to create what you have now? Uh, I guess kind of going deep, growing up as a gay man, we're kind of like, you know, we're hiding ourselves and not being authentic and pretending to be something we're not for some time. 
Um, so I guess, you know, doing the work on that sort of stuff and now just being very true to myself um, speaks volumes. And, you know, I think when you're allowed to be yourself and when you're happy with who you are, the magic happens. 100%. Yeah. And it takes time to get there. I don't know. When I, when I was growing up, I had like one heart, one bully that was just like, he went to um, federal prison later. <laughs> so I was like, karma, instant karma. Yeah. But um, growing up, the experiences that we have when we can't be ourselves for whatever reason, because we're, you don't feel like it's socially acceptable or because yeah. you're, whatever the case may be, it, it really impacts you. Yeah. And I guess those things kind of have made me resilient, have made me secretly strong, have made me kind of self-sufficient and independent. Um, I guess for a long time I felt like I was a people pleaser as well. And to a degree I still am because I always love my clients to be like blown away and super happy with what I do. But also I just feel like when you're happy with what you're doing, it just shows. 100%. And it's just about being your authentic self and whatever that is. Is okay. Oh, totally. Yeah. Let your freak flag fly if yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> or if you, you know, want to be a hermit and be in nature. Or yeah. I think that moving up here has really, in the the breadth of people that are here, and if you can attest yeah. to this, it's like everyone's doing their thing. Yeah. And, they're, and it's like a very, and that's why I wanted to start the podcast too, because I'm yeah. like, there are so many cool stories here to capture because I think you have to live within that authenticity authentic place in order to thrive here. Definitely. Yeah. And so I, I, I absolutely love that. I'd say that's one of the main hacks. So if you were to, if we're talking about childhood, if you were to send a message back to yourself at any age, what would the message be and in what age would you be? Uh, I just think I would, the message would be just to be yourself and actually be proud of who you are and just uh, to know that, you know, you're okay. Everything's going to be great if you're just true to yourself. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> Is there um, anything coming up for Mr. Grant that we... Plenty coming up. Okay. I did say to you earlier that I am also that person that likes to do things and not talk about doing things. So there's a few things. I mean, I we've touched on that I'm the author of three books. Yes. I mean, next year, let's just say it's the 10th anniversary of my very first book. Okay. And that means there'll be... Something new. Anniversary vibes, like re revamp, but. Well, you have to just <laughs> wait and see. But there's something new coming for sure. Okay, cool. And is there, um, I've noticed on your social media, which I love, is that you do blend all of this um, more woo or other more metaphysical side with what you create. Is there anything like that? You know, I kind of for a long time kind of didn't realize all the woo that I do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that could now, be a song. Yeah, yeah. shame I'm tone deaf. <laughs> um, I guess you know I kind of feel more comfortable about that, and I guess I'm more aware. I think about things more intentionally, and understand. I guess that I've always kind of done things intentionally, so I guess I feel much more comfortable sharing about the woo because it's the magic, and I feel like I'm not a gatekeeper. I like to share. Yeah, I don't like to hide away. And I guess I would like to inspire people to kind of live their best creative life as well. Yeah. Because well, I feel like that's what I do. 
Well, and how did you get introduced to some of these tools? Because I see you use cards, you use Sage. Who who introduced you to the Woo? I guess I'm lucky to be surrounded by some magical people that share their magic as well. And I feel like like attracts like. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know it sounds that's, no, it's quantum physics. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So I guess. I'm surrounded by magical people and I, I pay attention. I love spiraling into research about the most simple or complex things and just being around authentic people that like to share what they do. You know, it's always exciting to be around people that like to talk about ideas, about what they do, like how they do things and people that are just good at sharing. Definitely. And, you know, I'm, I guess... The role that I've had as working as a stylist, I've been very fortunate that I get to meet lots of interesting, creative people. Definitely. And that's really what excites me as well. Yeah. Well, um, we I had an episode about uh, the words and it was talking about, um, what was the quote? It was something like, small minds discuss people, average minds discuss something else, and then great minds discuss ideas. And I think that that's such a good way to yeah. look at life because if you get stuck in like the the gossiping or all yeah. of that like low vibe stuff, it's like it, that doesn't serve anyone. But talking about possibility and expansion and that's where the juice of life is. Yeah. And I guess, you know, meeting people like Penny and Anthony that have been on the podcast as well, they kind of moved here at the same time and we naturally gravitated towards each other as really as simply as that. How did you meet? Um, they were creating combi back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And it was at a similar time when I was up here frequently before trying to actually, you know, live here. Um, And my friend Kim just said, oh, you need to come into combi. And then I just met Penny and Anthony that way. Oh, so it just like naturally happened. Yeah. That happens up here so much. One good person leads to another, hey? Yes, always. (laughs) Oh, well, on that note, so if, if there's like one nugget of advice that you'd give to the listeners about, because confidence is obviously something that yeah. you've cultivated and uh, acting on your ideas and acting on your inspiration. Kind of what would you say was like one of the main, main tenets of how you kind of step through any kind of resistance or fear to create what it is that you want? How do you do it? I think it's just really about being true to yourself and your authentic self. Okay. Yeah. I, I know that's like simple, but I think sometimes the best advice is the, you know, some of the best advice I've received is really simple things. Yeah. Well, and if it scares you, it's even better. Just do it. Yeah. I mean, I am always open to saying yes to something that I have no idea of how I'm going to do, <laughs> but that's the exciting part. And I feel like, you know, th- things that excite you and scare you a little bit, that's bit, like living outside your comfort zone is really important. 100%. And, and, you know, making it fun. I mean, it's all just about making it happen. Definitely. Yeah. It really is. Thank you so much for coming on and, Thank you. and sharing your story. You're welcome. And so fun. Yes. And if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, my website, which we just recently revamped, is mrjasongrant.com. Okay, cool. That's the best spot. The best spot, yeah. You can find all the other things via there. Yeah, that's true. Your Instagram is great. So if anyone's still... Mr. Jason Grant. We should give you like a little insight into the whole Mr. Oh, yeah. What is that? Tell us. So when I moved to Sydney, I wanted to create a website and I was like, 
jasongrant.com is so boring. It's like, <laughs> am I an accountant? Am I like something, <laughs> Definitely really, not. something really corporate? And it was a day where I actually had to fill in a lot of forms and all, all the forms I had to tick a box and it was Mr., 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 and that's how that happened. I love it. Oh, and that's another like hot tip when you're creating. It's like inspiration can come. Yes, it can come from anywhere. Thank you for joining me today. My intention is always that you leave feeling inspired in some way, in a better mood. You have that bit of courage to to take action on whatever it is that you're wanting to create right now. That idea that's been brewing in the back of your mind for the last six months or six years. It's all about just taking little steps each day. So hopefully this gave you a bit of motivation to do that. If you enjoyed the episode and want to stay up to date with the happenings of the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple. We're also on iHeartRadio now. And you can also leave us a review in your app. It's a great way to show your support for the show. And as always, have a beautiful day and until next week.